Some of us, we are hearing this um, text preached about from probably for the 50th, 60th time. Um, and uh, it remains a beautiful passage. Because what, uh, what gives us greater joy than to hear that uh, salvation has come to us? We are uh, members of the human race, all of us, all the people that we live here around us, in this city, in this country, in this world, all human beings are members of one race, and that is the human race, and that human race in Adam is very much lost. We are very much in need of a deliverer and deliverance, and that is the Savior we confess as Christians, the Messiah who was promised and who has come. In this passage, I want to focus a little bit more the attention on the shepherds this time around. God displays his glory presence. That's a major theme in the Old Testament, of course. God displays his glory presence on the night the Savior of the world was born in Bethlehem. And those are the three thoughts. I want to focus on the angel's assurance. It should also be uh, just to focus on the one angel who gives assurance to the shepherds. Then plural, the angels praise. And then finally, the shepherds shepherds search and I could add to that their worship because that is very prominent as well in the text that we just looked at and read um, so let us begin with that first point the angels assurance why did the shepherds need assurance well the text makes it very plain that when this angel appeared to them uh, in verse 9 and the glory of the Lord shone around them they were filled with great fear now, even this morning when I thought about this, and I read it again in preparation, I thought, these two words don't seem to go very well together. Fear and shepherds. Uh, we may have wrong notions, stereotypical notions about shepherds. You know, some say that they were just totally rude and uncivilized and they were godless and, and what have you. Um, I'm not so sure about that. Um, but uh, when I think of shepherds, I think of people who are pretty tough. Not necessarily that they're physically big and you know, muscular, but they are just tough. And, uh, you know, if I were to walk in my neighborhood and I would meet one of them in the alley, if I were to go in any of those alleys, <laughs> I won't. <laughs> but uh, I don't want to meet them. Um, so fear and shepherds. But um, the text tells us that these men were afraid. These were men who knew life. They knew how to be tough, having to be strong and resilient um, their job was not as easy as you might think uh, it was for a shepherd in those days uh, they were filled with fear well the, the text tells us that that was the result of the angel of the Lord appearing to them in other words they saw an angel and um, it right on, on the heels of that says that the glory of the Lord shone around them so the glory of the lord the angel of the lord the lord is central here to the manifestation 
of God to these shepherds. Uh, so don't get distracted by the, an the, uh, the angel itself, um, but um, what the angel is used for, and that is to, to bring about an encounter between God and these men who were just doing their job somewhere in the middle of the night. We don't know when, whether it was before midnight or after midnight, but we'll say, we'll just say it was in the middle of the night. They are watching their sheep. Uh, I don't know how many of them were there. Maybe they took, you know, um, uh, two of them fell asleep for a couple of hours and the other one stayed awake and they, they did that kind of thing. But um, suddenly, so the Lord never really gives much of an announcement to his people when he chooses to uh, intrude upon us, his people. Uh, suddenly, the angel of the Lord appeared. Um, what a sight that must have been, Joel. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we should not underestimate that. It is extraordinary. It is supernatural. It just doesn't happen on a day-to-day -day basis to any of us anywhere in the world. And so when God himself presents himself to you, what would your and my response be? Um, I think that we can sort of sympathize, empathize with this response of fear. The brightness of God's glory shown about them. Um, I tried to think of like an analogy, an illustration, uh, but when a very, very powerful uh, light is shown on a certain spot, you know, then, then you know, that, that brilliance, uh, that blinding light, um, you know, is just like uh, inescapable. You, you're drawn to it. Uh, that light, that kind of light is shining around these shepherds in the midst of their ordinariness, right? They are ordinary in themselves. They're sort of ordinary in what they do. They are ordinary in terms of the fields around them. And heaven, right there, for that moment. It's an encounter with God. And no wonder they have fear. But the angels say immediately, don't be afraid. That in a nutshell is the good news, isn't it? Because we have a lot to be afraid about. Because this one who was born in Bethlehem is coming again. And all the past and current and future leaders, world leaders of this world, all peoples, rich and poor, high and low, young and old, will all confess that he is Lord. They will see that brilliance of his light, of his glory, of his majesty someday. And when we see that as Christians, we will see it with great joy. We will see it with great joy. Because the fear has been removed from us. That is God's grace. The fear of death, the fear of judgment has been removed from you through him when he gave his life for us on the cross. That's what his mission was. Right now I'm, I'm preparing for these lectures in, in the class in Latvia and I'm supposed to go through the period of 1600 to the present in five days. Three hours per day, 15 hours. I know how I'll do it. 
Talk fast. <laughs> it's a good thing there will be simultaneous ventilation, because that does help. But I'm reading through the 19th century, the 1800s, uh, where um, you, know, you have this notion that, uh, that the church is struggling with scientific uh, developments, like Darwinism and all that stuff. And so the view of scripture is, is being compromised, or how can we as a church uh, continue to be believable to the world, and so accommodation starts to take place, and what have you. Um, you know, I'm 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 going through that, and um, and I, and I and I say that just this morning to let you know that uh, you know we have a gospel to proclaim that is based on history. It is based on God's revelation of Himself in that word that we have today. So we don't need a special light to shine on us today, because we have the light in the Word. And the Word enlightens the darkness that is in our hearts, and that is also in the world. And so the Lord Jesus has come, and His brightness shone, the glory of the Lord shone around those, this, those, uh, those shepherds, and uh, it shines on us today. The favor of the Lord shines on us. And uh, why is this then assurance? Why is this hope and comfort to these shepherds and us today? Because it is good news. He said, they, they, they are told, For I bring you good news. Today is born in Bethlehem your Savior. Your Savior was not born today. He is doing very well. He is seated at the right hand of God. He is on His throne. Nothing is happening in his dominion that is an oops. I didn't know about that. Your life, all the very blood cells in your body, all the molecules that hover around in the universe are under his control. And so we have good news that he is also the one who has brought this good news that is a message for all time. And it says for all the people in the text, and I believe that we have to take it seriously, that the, that the, shepherd, the angel of the Lord is speaking to the shepherds as Jews. And as Jews, they are part of the people of Israel. And so they will hear this news now, and all the people too. All the people of the ancient people will hear the good news. And then I would extend that all because of the New Testament that we have in front of us, that the good news is, of course, good news for all the nations. For all people will hear about this Savior who has come into the world, because Jesus said, now go and make disciples of all nations. And so there is this reason not to be afraid. Instead, there's reason to rejoice, for unto you was born the one who was promised the Messiah. How we ought to pray more for the people of Israel today, the Jewish people, um, that their eyes would be opened, that the eyes of many very serious religious Jewish people that, um, that live today. There are a bunch of them who don't care, like all the other you know, uh, secularists uh, among the Gentile persons, but there are also many who are very seriously reading the scriptures. They have their prayers. They are very religious in that regard. But they do not have their eyes open. 
Lord, will you open the eyes of the Jews? I'm not saying something new here. This was a theme, a motif, in all of the Protestant Reformation. Sometimes it was clouded over, snowed under, but we have also always, as Protestants said, we need to pray for the Jewish people. Because without the Jewish people, where would we be? So this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. And you'll find him laying in a manger. When I read those words, swaddling cloths, I had to think of Jesus' death as well. The swaddling cloths of sorts folded up in the tomb that he left behind. But this child born with all his literal innocence, divine innocence, he became the scapegoat. He became the one who took your and my sin burden. And by doing that, he removed it from you and me. What good news we have. This child, this child born in Bethlehem. And then we see that the angels begin to sing um, in full force. It was just one angel, and suddenly, it says in the text, there's a whole choir. So, we should not be too mundane in our trying to understand and interpret and explain Scripture so that it becomes sort of banal, um, too mundane. But I was just thinking again this morning, a host of angels. So, hundreds, thousands, I don't know, but a lot of them. And God told them, this is your job today, quote-unquote. You are going to have a performance. And it uh, wasn't very long, was it? How does it go? This is the song they sang. Glory to God in the highest, and on, peace, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And then they went away. I think they may have been a little disappointed. <laughs> They had much more to sing, I'm sure. But it was enough. It was completely sufficient to have that brief appearance, that intrusion again of heaven into our life and existence, and to declare what must be declared then and today through the church, that this is all about God's glory. The birth of Christ is first of all about His glory. And I am the beneficiary. We are the beneficiaries of that glory manifested in our sinful broken world through the one who was born of Mary laid in a manger, wrapped in swaddling cloth, to already foreshadow his death on our behalf. What praise, what an experience it must have been for those shepherds. No musical accompaniment. I don't see any argument here for no accompaniment in music. No terms for um, worship today. But it was a cappella. No director, I think. Everybody knew what to sing. And they sing in great perfection. It was short, but it was enough. Glory to God. The content of all biblical worship 
has to center around the glory of God. What is the gospel? The glory of God manifested in the peace child. The one who, in whom God brings his peace, his favor to shine upon you and upon me, his church. And this text does address us today. His word comes to us. The message of God's salvation, of his love for sinners. God has declared his favor. He doesn't say, I'll think about it. If you act right, then I'll give you favor. And if you don't act right, then I will not give you favor. It's just like a general favor, a gospel favor that God declares upon the Jewish people, that he declares upon the nations that your Savior has come. And now what will you do with him? How will you respond to him? Will you accept him? Will you believe in him? For only those who believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ will be given the rights of sonship. We just read in the gospel account of John. So God is addressing us today. He's shining his light of favor on us. What will, we, what will be our response? Will we say with the shepherds finally, who in response went on this search? Shall we say, oh come, let us all go, let us adore him who was born in Bethlehem. That was the response that we see these shepherds make. I have to think about that as well. We don't give, uh, we're not given any detailed information about uh, what the um, angel then said to the shepherds in terms of where to find this baby. Now, I know it was not, you know, Phoenix, Arizona, or Dallas, Texas, or Colorado Springs, you know, large multi-million inhabitants. Uh, it was probably very sparsely populated area, um, but uh, no GPS, you know, no uh, physical address, go to that street number or first house on the corner. Um, we're just told that they went and they found, because the angel said, you will find. There's no doubt here at all about this being a problem. Um, um, they are responding. And this too reminds me that of the fact that the shepherds were not just these, these rude, crass um, um, people among the Jews who were totally ignorant of the scriptures. Their response suggests, indicates to me, that they were familiar enough with the messianic expectation that did exist at that time. Um, that when they had this extraordinary experience they were filled with joy because that comes from the Holy Spirit and when you have the Holy Spirit in you your response will be let's go let's go and see this thing when they go and search and eventually do find um, it reminds us as well that we by faith search not because we haven't found something yet, but faith in a way is a lot like a lifelong search. How, Lord, may I serve you faithfully? How, Lord, would you have me live today when I face this or that challenge? How will through my life, through my actions, through my words, 
the goodness, will that good news be proclaimed? That you have come and you've made me into a new person. You've changed me inside out. For that is really the work that this Savior accomplishes. He doesn't just, as the Reformer said, do something for us. He does, by the Holy Spirit, that work in us. And so the Holy Spirit changes you inside out. And you find yourself with great joy to be on that lifelong search to, yes, ultimately find your home in heaven. Is that we haven't found yet. But by faith we possess it. It's not a foreign thought. It's not a strange thought. It is not a complete total surprise that the Father will receive us into his heaven. But um, where is it? And the church has often struggled with that idea of God's kingdom here in this world. If so, how? How does it manifest itself? Um, and uh, how, how can you recognize and identify it? But like the angels didn't need to give the shepherds all this specific information, I think, based on the text, I think that we also don't need all these kinds of particulars that maybe we're interested in knowing. But God just says, go. And isn't that the way he has always treated his people? I think of Abraham. Go. With his family. They first ended up in Haran, up north. And then he's made a turn to the west. And, um, you know, no descriptions, no details. Go this way, go that way. Go. We don't know which way to go in life necessarily, depending on how God's providences work for us tomorrow or even today already. But we know He is with you. He is with us. Because He is a God of faithfulness. And He has said to you also, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. Till the end of time, I will be with you. That will. You will this and you will that in the birth announcements. That forcefulness of God's will accomplished in you is just as strong today as it was back then. You will have the Savior's presence with you. All the time. Always. Until you see Him face to face. Now that is assuring. That gives us comfort Full throttle, these shepherds. Let's go. No hesitation. No, let's think about it. No, even, let's take care of these animals first. Well, maybe that's why some stay behind. Um, because God does care for the animals too. Very much. But the, the, the message is clear. They hear the message, they go. What about you? What about me? We hear the message Sunday after Sunday. We have the Holy Spirit in us, in well us, that that is our response. Lord, teach me, show me, so that I may pursue you this day, tomorrow, that I may be in your will, that I may be in 
under the lordship of him who has laid in the manger, who has become the king of kings for us, and he is the Lord of lords. Through the gospel, you and I today have a gospel encounter, and through the gospel you have found him who was proclaimed, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us now pursue the race. Let us pursue the journey of walking with Jesus as we take up our cross and follow him obediently and by his grace alone. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that Jesus came, that he was not merely a person who would do amazing things. As the church began to teach some centuries ago, to make him more believable and palatable, but he is the scandal on, and always has been and always will be. And so we pray that there will not be many who, in fact, stumble over him in unbelief and disbelief, but we pray that he will become the cornerstone of their lives, those who have yet to believe in our own lives as well, and continue to be that person who is most central in our lives, the Lord Jesus Christ. May we serve him, may we honor him with all we do and say, both today as well as in the days to come. We ask you this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. amen.